Thank you for listening to this podcast brought to you by Baylife Church Port Stevens. We hope you find this message challenges and inspires you in your daily Christian walk. For more information, visit www.baylifechurch.org.au. It's my great pleasure. You see, this man, some of you don't know, we planted out of Macquarie Life Church and 11 years ago. This man is my senior pastor, and, uh, and he's also a great friend and, and a great mentor, and, and I appreciate him so much. So when you're finished, stand your feet, quick, stand your feet, come on, come on, you can do it. <laughs> come on, let's put your hands together for Pastor Mark Zare as he comes this morning. Thank you, you can take your seats, thank you. the worship this morning. It was wonderful. Um, Greg and Robin are wonderful people, aren't they? Um, one of my mentors, a guy named John Pennycook, he's just retired. He's been a pastor for a long time and we're raised up in the same church. And he's like the guy that I trust most in the state to help me, you know, if I'm in trouble or need wisdom. He's just a really trustworthy man. I thought the other day, geez, retired now. I've got to find someone else I can trust more than anyone else. And you know who it is? It's Greg. Just, he really is the most trustworthy guy I know in this state. And I have a role with state church planning, so I know most of the pastors in the 300-odd churches in the state and all the district leaders. And um, you need to know that, that your senior pastors were really well regarded in our state and uh, just a, a, you know, a couple worthy of respect. So well done. Can I just have a tiny bit more volume, just a little bit more? Thank you. That's great to tell. Um, and Sam and Soph, bummer for us that they're going away, but great for them. Um, and I want to prophesy, but God told me not to, so um, we'll just leave you alone to have a great trip. Um, but I tell you the picture I did see, so it's just a picture. I just saw the trip really good for your marriage, long term, and God drilling down like a jackhammer. You've got good foundations in the concrete, but he's drilling down beyond that, and he's going to let the foundation sink further and. And because stuff will rest on you in your life. There's, there's great things on your life, but this is a time to enjoy. Don't feel guilty or responsible. Just go and, and live, and uh, God will do some great things. All right. Uh, I was interested, though, because I found whenever good people, you know, move like that, that the replacement's already sitting there. We just don't know who it is yet. There's like a natural person that steps up, you know, the, the person under them that they've raised up, but there's always a surprise packet, and um, I was always a surprise packet getting raised up as people left the church, and I can remember Kev Brett saying, oh no, everyone's gone now, I've got to use you. <laughs> so maybe you're like me, maybe you're that person sitting there, you feel a bit of a quickening in God that um, God really wants to do something with your life, and when someone like that or that couple leave and it leaves gaps, that's the time to step up and be really open to God if he nudges you. All right, I want to um, preach myself happy this morning and take you for the ride. <laughs> it's, it's been an interesting year. At the start of the year, my wife had this word from God about um, it's going to be a tough year. We really need to stick really close to God. And I sought God for a while and I felt him say, yeah, you're going to be seasoned with fire this year um, in three major areas of your lives. And... Um, 
the first thing that happened in the first few months was a wonderful young man in our church died, um, Tyrone Jilks, who was a professional motorbike rider. He was practicing for the world record. Um, Evil Knievel had the world record, and then Robbie Madison broke it, and it's lasted for a long time. And he's been going through as a young guy, breaking, I think he was 19, all Robbie Madison's records. And he was practicing at Maitland Showground because he wanted to break a world record in Australia because he usually does it overseas. And he was practicing. The world record was over 100 metres and he was at 80, just working his way up to it. And uh, something went wrong and he crashed and the handlebars ripped his jugular and his dad and his best friend were doing CPR and things on him, uh, kept him alive, got him to hospital, but he died that night. And um, it was quite well-known worldwide. We had 1,200 people at the funeral. We had uh, every because his dad was the president of the God Squad a little while ago. And so every motorbike, you know, all the bikers groups of Newcastle, which is quite a few, one's called Live and Die or Live to Die or something. So you have to have murdered someone to be in it, and if you leave, you get murdered. Um, so they called a truce, and they all came together to honour at the funeral, and there was about 200 bikers of all the different groups kind of led the procession. It was really fun because the cops were out the front and made – you know, stop the traffic for all the bikers. So we're following them in our cars to go to the gravesite. So we think they're going to let us through too. But as soon as all the bikers went, the cops just went home. And none of, they didn't care about us. They cared more about the bikers. Um, but, but that was very tough. And there's a family, you know, that's a tough thing for a dad. And, you know, beautiful family. Lots of people have been saved through it. Channel 7 filmed the funeral and showed it on TV. And there was a lot of stuff went on. It was big, you know, a big thing to lead a church through. We then had a young couple um, have quadruplets and they all died after birth and they nursed each one while they died and they were very close back-to-back things. We've seen marriages around us really tested. Some very close marriages to us have gone under. Others are surviving. And it's like the year where I um, have taken on state church planting, so it's a very, very big stretch and all this is going on. And then... uh, my sister died of cancer a few years ago. She used to look after my dad, so he's 94. And my niece would help me, but she moved to Canada. And now I'm the carer for my dad. So I've got this year of absolute stretch. And I'm a carer, like, and I'm travelling around the state. And I'm trying to get home and visit my dad and make sure he's okay. And you know that, just just one of those. I'm not telling you to, for you to feel sorry for me. Life just does that, and you have to grow through it. But if I could just say this, I really like who I'm becoming through it. I had some awful moments, but... I, but, you know, the out- outwash is it's making me more mature. And I, I haven't been sleeping well this week. And I, I was seeking God yesterday. I'd lost my peace a bit. Not badly, but just, you know, there's like that knot of anxiety and you don't know what it is. You don't know how to get rid of it. And it was affecting me. And so I sought God. And, I, and you know, he's very gracious. But sometimes when you think he's going to be really soft, he just goes hard line on you. Not harsh, but just so I'm going, you know, here I am, God. And he goes, it's pride. <laughs> I've, got, I've got anything else to lead. But anyway, he just like opened me up and I, he, he just showed me some stuff and I wrote it on a card because I'm, I'm overcoming it. I slept really well last night. I just had to repent and he just said to me, you're still trying to control too many things where you feel insecure. Um, and I'd read this thing in a book the day before and it said... Uh, when we judge other people's spiritual journeys, that is emotional ill health in us. And I've been doing that. 
you know how you miss truths along the way and you read those, whoa, I do that, I do that, that's me. He goes, and like, you know how the Holy Spirit's right there and he goes, yes, that's what I'm saying. It's pride, let go of that. And this was the other thing that was happening to me in marriage things. You see people who you think aren't doing as good a journey as you and don't want their marriages to work as much as you do. And you, without realising it, you can start to feel a little bit superior. Um, I wasn't walking around in it, but nevertheless, it was exposed. I care more about their marriage than they do. And you know how you do that. And, and that's pride kind of sneaking through. And when I addressed those things and repented and got that out, and I just did looked up my concordance on humility, and I just wrote some scriptures down that I'll keep in the pocket for a couple of weeks till that becomes the habit of just walking in that. And it's like, um, he guides me with humility in what is right. Humble yourself before God. With humility comes wisdom. In humility, consider others better than yourself and clothe yourself with humility. So that, there it is in the pocket. <laughs> I've got to get that as a habit now till I, till I learn to walk in that. But the good thing was I had a great night's sleep. So it's working. Thank you, Jesus. And I know pride will try to sneak back in over the next few days. Eh? Um, okay. So that's why I'm taking you on this journey because this isn't like Christianity pretend to be happy. This is... How do you find joy when life really sucks? Um, and I noticed that Jesus had the greatest joy, you know, in the New Testament and the greatest grief. And I've seen people that have been through a lot have this really strong joy that, that you can't kind of destroy. And it kind of blows me out. Uh, so, you know, it, it was just great fun studying this. And um, uh, something I wanted to say there. Great. Oh. Oh, but God's not so much into happiness. I found me wanting to be happy was more about I want my circumstances to be right, you know, and, and what I want, and you should serve me, God. But, you know, wanting to be happy all the time can do that thing if you want God to chase around after you. Um, but he is into joy. And when you follow his plan, um, you, you just start to see differently. I had this quote for later, but just this is really worth writing down. It's talking about Paul in prison. He did not look at Christ through his circumstances. He looked at his circumstances through Christ. And you notice in the book of Philippians, he talks heaps about joy more than any other book. And in it, he also talks about thinking a lot. And he, and he says this statement, and you can see where his thinking changes as he processes himself. He said, I'm, I'm, I'm not a prisoner of Rome. I'm a prisoner of Christ. He's got me here for a reason. Not like, oh, I've got to get out of here. It's just, no, it, he's looking at it through Christ. God's got me here, it's for a purpose, and this is where I should be. Um, okay, uh, there's a rough guy in the church, and he told me a funny story, it kind of fits. He said, sometimes you're the pigeon, sometimes you're the statue, Zary. And his, his wife's our creative director, and she's been quite sick with cancer and has had operations and, you know, is missing body parts and looks like she's coming through. So after, once she recovered from one of her big operations, they went uh, to Western Australia and did a trip. But they were swimming with whale sharks. They did this thing. You go out on this boat, the plane flies over, spots the whale shark, the boat flies there, and everyone puts their gear on. Now, he's an unbelievable fisherman, this guy. He spent his whole life learning to think like a fish. He goes, there, this is my great achievement. I know how to think like a fish. And so the whale shark's there. They bring out the wetsuits they've got to wear to jump into the water. His wife's bright pink and his is lime green. <laughs> so funny. 
So they have to jump in the water and there's about 10 other young people, mainly teenagers. He goes, so here I am, Zeri, the lure. I look like a lure. I'm lime green. All my good lures are lime green. I'm fat and juicy with all these skinny teenagers. And they're saying, jump into the water. And he said, whale sharks are like 35 feet long. They can swallow a person whole. Well, could have been, or did Joah? Jonah, you know, got swallowed by and he said, I know this thing's looking at me. I see it's like, look at me. And he, all he's got to do is take one breath and I'm, I'm in there. And it was just freaking him out. But he, he just said this interesting thing to me. He said, I just felt like the bait. All my life, you know, I've been saying to the worm, climb back down onto that hook, you know. Um, and here I am. I'm the bait. And he said, I've never had to trust God so much in my life. And it's funny like that. You know, you're the Christian. You've got God's favor. Stuff goes good. But let me tell you, good people go through stuff. It's wrong to think that they've sinned and done something wrong, and that's why they're going through a hard time. Bible doesn't teach that at all. It says, don't be surprised at the fiery ordeal of your own day. So stuff comes, and I want, I want to equip you to be able to keep your joy in the middle of it. T.D. Jakes at Hillsong this year preached an amazing message on blind Bartimaeus, but I just want to use the start of his message. He talked about... Blind Bartimaeus couldn't see, and a lot of us operate our faith out of what we see, and I think it's more important to operate our faith out of what we hear. And he talks about Jesus passing by, and blind Bartimaeus could hear him. He said he did a study, and he found out that he was from quite a wealthy family. He should have been doing well in life, but he found himself begging, and he said this statement, his condition contradicted his position. The other thing, he couldn't do anything about his blindness, so he had to adapt to an environment he could not change. And he said, the other thing, the third thing he said was, sometimes Jesus doesn't stay, he just passes by. Sometimes there's opportunities when truth comes, or you hear something, or the Holy Spirit nudges you. He's not going to do it day after day, week after week. Sometimes he does it once or twice, and if you don't respond, that's it, he moves on. And so there are, there are times to respond to God that, that are really important. So he said, out of those three things, he says, there are three essential conditions that joy needs to survive. He said, the first one, his condition contradicted his position, is this. It's really important not to get your own way. Because that's how you're going to have learn to have joy in spite of your circumstance. And that's really important. Second thing, you have to adapt to your situation. You can't always change the environment you live in. You might have a job that you want to throw in, but you can't because you need the finance. Or you might have a marriage that's going through a difficult time and you feel like you should hang in there and, it, and it's like you're in the belly of the whale. It's just not going to change for a while. You, you've got to hang in. Um, and the other one was to grab onto Jesus while he, while he can be found. So they were three things to write down. Not getting your own way is important. Adapting to your situation and grabbing onto Jesus while he can be found. Let me just machine gun you with a few scriptures on joy. Uh, strength and joy are in his dwelling place. For the joy of the Lord is your strength. I heard this guy say, and I got tested on this, when someone steals your car park space, let them have the car park space, but don't let them have your joy. Because if you freak out, you just lost your strength for the day. V very interesting. I, I like that. Um, joy comes to those who promise peace, who promote peace, sorry. Gladness and joy will overtake the redeemed. It's, it's chasing after you to catch up and overtake. That's good. It's on its way. You've got to hang in there and not freak out. Uh, your grief will turn into joy. Generosity comes out of joy. 
This is a tough one. Consider it pure joy when you face trials of many kinds. Haven't, haven't been that good at that one yet. Uh, Jesus, for the joy set before him, endured the cross. I, I read this. My wife's very familiar with this story, but I didn't know it. I came across it during the week. There's a famous old hymn called It Is Well With My Soul. There was a guy named Horatio Spofford, Spafford. 1873, his four daughters were killed in a shipwreck. Um, a couple of years later, he was on a ship going over the spot where they were drowned. And, you know, on the way, he'd been totally full of fear. But when he arrived there, he just felt something from heaven come and enter his soul. It was like this strange peace that he, he had the overwhelming revelation. He was kids with God. It was a good thing. He, ju- he just got something just flooded his soul. And he, and he wrote that hymn. Uh, based on on the hope of heaven. I thought, wow. God can just help you out of the kind of stuff. Holy Spirit, where do we go? Hope based on, first thing, hope based on the sovereignty of God frees you up to experience joy. Paul believed that no matter what happened to him, God was in control of his life. Job was good at that. Though he slay me, yet will I trust him. What about Shadrach, Meshach, and Benedict? about to be thrown into their fire and they're going our god will deliver us right but then they say the faith statement we think that's faith just god will do the good thing god will do the good thing let me tell you what real faith is that even if he doesn't we will not bow to him see that's what real faith is real faith is this that i will emerge victorious regardless of the situation and sometimes that means just when you're in the midst of the grief, you're hanging on to the hem of his garment. And, and you hang on to that until you get to see him face to face. Because eventually that, that greater joy does come. Okay. Second thing. And there's only two things, but <laughs> this one's longer. Four, four joy thieves. Three, you know, that will steal your joy and they look nice. And one that's that's obvious. The first thing that can steal your joy is circumstances. When things go our way, it's easy to feel happier, but it doesn't sustain. And then if we just wait for everything to be good before we feel happy, you're going to spend a lot of your life miserable. Okay? Uh, The poet Byron said, men are the sport of circumstances. It's like circumstances beat us up and laugh at us and the enemy pokes fun at us in that. But that's why you need to learn how to hang on to God and say, you know what, we're, we're going to come through this. People will, will steal your joy really easy. Every problem in the world is a relationship problem, even between nations. People will steal your joy by what they say, what they do, and who they are. And by the way, you might have made a few people miserable along the way yourself. You know, we, so I say that with you. People are so frustrated, but there's probably someone sitting there thinking that about you. Just don't get forget that it, that it, that it works both ways. Um, and things. There was a Quaker. So Quakers live kind of simple lives. Um, says to his new neighbour, if you need anything, come to me and I'll tell you how to get along without it. I like that. <laughs> things, eh? I love things, man. And God blesses us with stuff. He really does provide. And... Sometimes I have a want and I ask him and I get it. It's so cool. But with wants, it's like they're shiny. They knew they promised so much. 
And now that I own it, it starts to decay. It's not quite as good as I thought it was. Um, so I start thinking about the next want that I've got. Um, yeah, okay. All right. But the, the, the trickiest one that steals your joy is, is worry. You could put it in the form of anxiety, unbelief, pride, selfishness, self-centeredness, judgment, control, and lack of sleep. Worry is different from the others. It attacks you from the inside and causes bad health. So I've come up with this saying for me, I'm not living to enjoy circumstances, I'm living to serve Christ. And I do experience some amazing circumstances along the way. C.S. Lewis has this great attitude to life because he went through some stuff. He just reckons it's better to expect life to be tough and like a bit of a prison. And he said, and you get constantly surprised at how wonderful it can be. He said, but if you think life is designed to be paradise, um, you're going to be constantly disillusioned about how lousy it is. So I kind of, I know it's a bit pessimistic, but I've kind of chosen what, what he's done. It really helps. I have a lot, a lot of good days. It's fantastic. Um, all right. Paul said, I'm, in the, I'm not the prisoner of Rome. I'm the prisoner of Christ. My lousy circumstances are working for me when I look at my circumstances through Christ. So I, this is one thing I've learned. Rishi, can I say this? So you go from self-pity. Poor me. I'm looking after my dad. He's 94. And, you know, sometimes he's beautiful. Sometimes he's so cranky. He gives me such a hard time. Um, <laughs> take him to the back. Yeah, okay. he, so he's really determined, and that's why he's going so well at 94. He still drives, but I've just asked the doctor to take his license off him because I won't go with him in the car. Um, but he's got a walking stick. He refuses to let me push him in a wheelchair because he's trying to prove to everyone that he can still walk. I take him to the bank. It looks like a drunk guy going in. So I'm there wanting to grab his arm, but he pulls away and he staggers into the bank. And people are just diving from behind counters trying to catch him, thinking, why doesn't his son do something to help him, right? But then I do, and he starts swearing at me in the bank, and now everyone's thinking, oh, you poor son. <laughs> it's just like that. So, you know, you, you have your self-pity thing happening, but God, God started to teach me, you know, I'm learning that it's an honour. My sister's dead. My brother lives in New Zealand. I think, oh, poor me. But he goes, no, no, you've got the honour. You have got you get to honour your father. There's reward for that. It teaches things. It's not a chore. Your brother and your sister are missing out. Whoa. Yeah. My, main scripture in Philippians 4, or in Philippians, because it's a whole book about joy, really. But I wanted to read from Philippians. This is the main bit. You're probably really familiar with it. <laughs> it almost mocks me as I read it because I haven't been good at it. Rejoice in the Lord always. Don't. Uh, we'll say it again <laughs> just to rub it in. Rejoice. Don't. Don't. <laughs> Let your gentleness be evident to all. I'm going well. The Lord is near. Yep. Do not be anxious about anything. <sighs> be anxious. Not anxious about lots of stuff, but there's lots of stuff I do get anxious about. But in everything... By prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God and the peace of God which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Great. I just had to read it because it's kind of what the message is all about. Um, I'm ready for the conclusion. I just want to tell you one thing I heard at the start that was really cool. Um, so we're talking about joy, right? It's really good if your attitude is... Great. I'm a bit blind with that 
I, I, I need to learn more. If you're sitting there thinking, listen, I'm really cool with joy, Lou. You, I don't know. There's just something when you don't know your blindness or how much you need God that makes life in church really boring. But if, if you get the revelation, because watch this. Who does God love the most? I just want to prove it to you. Who does God love the most? Some people think the holiest people. Some people think other stuff. I'll tell you who he loves the most. He loves the most the one who needs him the most right now. In this building right now, if you're sitting there going, oh, I really need God, that's where he's sitting to come in and really help you. Wow. Not thinking I ain't any this much of God. Okay. So, conclusion. Uh, you haven't seen the best of God yet. Best wine to last. So you think, no, I'm getting old. It's going to get worse. No, no, get better. Because, you, you know, pride disappears. See, God's dealing with it. Less pride, more humility. What does he do? He gives grace to the humble. So it, life at a sense gets better because inside you get a better sense of well-being. You don't have to be afraid of old age. I'm desperately trying to prove that. Um, I was reading, I, I think it's in Mark 6, because I was looking up, I couldn't find it properly, but I preached a little bit on it last week. I just, Jesus does this thing. You know you read the loaves and the fishes stories. You, you know there's two stories, don't you? One's like there's a couple of fish and so many loaves of bread, but then there's another one, and at first you think, oh, the Bible's contradicting itself, but it doesn't. It's just Jesus did that miracle twice with different, different figures. And then he sits the disciples down and he goes, you know when we had the two fish and the five loaves, um, and there were seven baskets left over, but then we had the, you know, the four fish and that many loaves, and there were this many baskets left over. What did you learn from that? And I'm reading, I'm thinking, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm like the disciples, you know, right? I didn't have a clue. And they didn't, because it says, it says later, I was reading another version while I was sitting there, and it said they didn't get the message from the loaves and fishes, so they were arguing in the boat about who brought the bread, and they forgot again. Um, but I, I just didn't get it. And so I was reading some Charles Spurgeon. He says a really interesting thing. The way the figures work in those two miracles, the one that they started with the less loaves with, they ended up with the more basketfuls left over. It was like, I think the four loaves had 12 baskets left over and the five loaves had the seven baskets left over. It was something like that. And he just says some really interesting things. He said, they ended up with more than what they started with. The kingdom of God's like that. It's a river, not a pot. Like when you give something, you don't do without that. But given shall be given unto you. It's a river that, that, that flows through. But there's, uh, you haven't seen the best yet. I just wanted to say this. Uh, the remainder after the feast was greater than what they started with. And God, when you put things in God's hands, there's increase. So it's not about what you've got. It's about whose hand it's in, yours or his. The least they started with, the more was left over. And I haven't ever heard that taught before, and I think it's a kingdom principle. And I've, because we plant churches, I see guys with less gifting and less stuff to start with, and they nearly always end up with a bigger church than the guy that's got everything going for him and they give more people and more money to. Really, really, I don't fully understand it yet, but it's really got me thinking about how the kingdom works, works differently to the earth. But the, the key is <laughs> what you've got, putting it in, in, in God's hands. Uh, just a couple of hidden secrets to finish on with, with having joy. Because when it, when it goes, you have to know how to sit down with God. And it's, you, you've got to connect. You actually have to show up. So connecting to God isn't going, like, you still do this. 
But it isn't just intercession. I, I need this, I need this, help me, help me, help me. It isn't just expressing your emotion, but it's still good to say, God, I feel angry. I know you're there, but I feel like you're not there, and I feel that there. It's still good to do that. But you still haven't connected yet. You actually got to show up emotionally with your heart. That, that's why we do Thanksgiving praise worship. The Bible says it doesn't say enter his gates with repentance. Because a lot of people go to pray and they feel guilty of their sin and they start repenting. It's about as far as they get. They feel condemned and then they don't pray. It actually says enter his gates with thanksgiving. We're all sinners. We all fall short. There's a place in there for you know saying sorry, but enter his gates. You start your prayer with thanksgiving. When you praise, it's like that consciousness of his presence in the room, believing he's right there. When you worship, it's like listening and obeying. That's the surrender thing that we sang in that song this morning. So with all those difficult circumstances, we've been winning and working our way through, but there's a couple there now, and I was losing. And so hence the card. I I was able to find where the pride was. It was screwing me up on it. And it was was that repent, surrender thing. Ah, the peace started to come back in. God, what you want. I know what I want to do. I want to go and belt that guy in the head. That's not what you're saying to me, is it? Okay, all right, I can't do that. So let's do it your way. And then, and then the surrender starts to come. It's, it's really amazing how the, how the peace can come. Greg's laughing the most. He obviously knows exactly how I feel. Um, just the last thing. Uh, allow God to take you by the hand. Um, stillness is more than silence. And it goes beyond solitude. Be still and know that I'm God. Here's a great quote uh, by a guy named Brandon Manning that I read a little bit of. Some things are understood not by grasping, but by allowing oneself to be grasped. I can't teach on it enough, but it's a really... Kind of the, I think what you get out of today's message will hinge on this. It's the empty thing. It's not going, God, help me this much, or once a year, God, help me. It's, it's, it's letting him grasp you. In your frustration and wanting to punch someone out, or the job thing won't change, you haven't got enough finance. It's like, I'm going to do this, and you, and you strive, and you contend, and you wear yourself out, and yet sometimes you just got to go, you know what, God? I haven't got the goods. I'm not coming up with it. I don't even know what to do. I'm empty. Can you help me? Let him grasp you, not searching the word for something you can grab onto. Let him grasp you and lead you and take you there. Massive, massive difference. The musos can come, thanks. Uh, Last statement before I hand over to Greg. Spiritual maturity is giving up the illusion that I can ever be alone. So, Father, I thank you for these people. I just pray for each one that you would just impart by your spirit just a great seed from today that will help them have their joy when the circumstances are tough, that will help them not be desolate, that will help them to feel you in the room, that you'll give them something to grab onto while they are in the belly of the whale for three days where nothing they do works, but to give them the hope all things do work together for good so that their joy can be based in your sovereignty. In Jesus' name, amen.
Thanks for listening to the message today brought to you by Baylife Church. We hope the message leaves you feeling challenged and inspired to live out your Christian walk. Please tune in again for next week's message.